Hello and welcome back to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To, your one-stop nostalgic Friday night at the movies. With me as always, at least for the last four weeks, are Sean. Hello there. And Joe. Lovely to see you. Yes. If you have been listening, you will be aware that we usually pick a pre-70s film that we think is brilliant and we think that proves our point that they just don't make them like they used to. However, this week, as I was walking around the hospital, I met loads of interesting people with good film choices. And now, I invite you to meet them as well. First up is Pam. Now, if you've been to the hospital, you have seen Pam. She is a smiley female at the receptionist's desk. Next time you go there, please do say hi to her. Next one that comes to mind is Aristocats. I remember seeing that with my dad. And we didn't go to the pictures very often, but I've got a very clear memory of that one. Yes, I do like that. I'm a bit of a fan of Disney films. Aristocats made me happy. <laughs> it was very upbeat, and I like that. <laughs> I can't think of anything else. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. Because the cat's the only cat. Who knows where it's at? Tell me, everybody's picking up on that feet. Come on, guys, let's join in. Okay. Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be a cat. <laughs> yes, uh. yes, Arista Cats, absolute genius, absolute brilliant. Oh, man, I love the choices that we have this week. Anyway, guys, Arista Cats, take it away. Arista Cats. Um, this is my second favorite Disney movie. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's wow. after, after Sleeping Beauty, but this right. just had it all. Um, and some great tunes. That, that in particular, there's another one that goes, I'm Thomas O'Malley. O'Malley, the, the early cat. <laughs> and. I just remember uh, things. I can remember the whole thing. There was a mad butler in it and the old lady that owned the cats and mm-hmm. two dogs, Napoleon and Lafayette. I'm the leader. I say. <laughs> when it's the end. Uh, it's just so many memorable, terrific characters in this, uh, in this um, cartoon. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Wonderful I, vocal talent as well. Yeah. I mean, think of the voices that are in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got uh, Scatman Crothers. Scatman, yeah. What a, what a legend. <laughs> uh, you got um, as Phil, a literal cat. As <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got Phil Harris. Uh, I, 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 I seem to remember there were two ducks in it at one point, um, but I can't remember who played the uh, famous voices. But they were two like real English ducks. Oh yeah. yeah. They were ducks, and they had like a little waddle. Two old ladies, and they saved. Um, <laughs> I think it was Thomas O'Malley from drowning. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the thing about this is because Aristocats is one of these things that I, my earliest memory of Aristocats is we used to get these Disney storybooks as kids. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is when we were young and I didn't realize that everybody talks about globalization and modernization and all that kind of stuff. And I realized it was there back then. So it had, we used to have these storybooks that were sort of like themed after sort of like summer, autumn, spring, winter that had absolutely no relation to any of the films, but had all the characters. So all the way from like the Cinderella mice to Chip and Dale to oh, like, wow. yeah, to like um, the Aristocats. And so that was the first time I ever, saw, I ever saw Thomas O'Malley in that. And I never realized he was in a film. <laughs> and I never, never realized that this was, so I just saw the cats and I was like, oh, this looks pretty cool. And then I find out that Aristocats is a film and I only, I think I probably only ever watched it for the first time 10 years ago or something. Mm. Did but you enjoy the it? Characters, didn't you? Oh yeah, you gotta, I mean, you gotta that's, love it. It's a great movie. Because. I, I, I used to have, um, you used to be able to collect stickers, you know, like they have these, these football stickers or, or cards. Mm-hmm. And I think, and it's, the chances are it could probably still be in the loft somewhere, but I had an Aristocat sticker book mm. and it was like little pictures from the, from the movie and you could actually paste them into a, a scrapbook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a the great connection between the Aristocats and one of my favourite. And you say this is one of your favourite Disney's. My one of my favourites is the Jungle Book. Oh yeah. And obviously a lot of the vocal cast is the, the same. same yeah. And the director's the same. It was actually uh, Wooly Ritherman, the chap that did the dinosaur bit in Fantasia. Wow. Did it, what about Robin Hood? Yeah, he did that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, exactly. I think after Walt Disney actually died, this guy Wooly Ritherman actually basically took over Disney and guided you, them through. You can actually see the slight difference in animation between like up to Cinderella, which I think is, is 1950, and then, yeah. then the animation changes slightly. I think, it, yeah, it, comes a little, it becomes a little cruder. Cruder, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it hasn't got that. 
that um, soft uh, look about it. And I think I think the music changes changes it because Disney seems to go through certain stages where it uses different sorts of music. Music. Yeah. And so there was kind of like you know the sort of classical kind of thing and like you know the with Snow White singing to all the birds like mm. you know the happy working no that's that's intact. That that's that's the other film. That's Enchanted. Yeah, it's yeah. really oh, a good movie. Yeah. yeah, that is a good movie. But I, I'm getting the name, names of my songs mixed up. Oh, Whistle While You Work. That's wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have Snow White singing that. Then you had like this whole series where they got to like the Aristocats and Jungle Book, where it was a lot more scatty, jazzy kind of stuff. Yeah. And so Aristocats, not, if nothing else, on its own, it's a brilliant jazz. Like if you go to soundtrack, it's a brilliant sure. jazz album. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like it's just such a. Just the music is just so great, and then and I think they had a little bit of a renaissance, or well, it was it was a bit of a blip recent when Disney did Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. because that is just like the New Orleans. Jazz. The music in that is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know if Pam remember, but there's one bit in it where there's a guy and he's sat outside a bar, and the 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 jazz cats are, are actually going to save. They rush into the house to save, and the little mouse—I forget his name—but there's a little mouse, and he's chasing the cats. And this guy's got a bottle of wine, and he looks, and he sees all the cats running, and then this little mouse running after him, and he empties <laughs> out the bottle. I remember that bit. That was quite. I, I do love those grace notes in those sort of films. Like you, you do, that, that that seemed to be a staple for a while. You'd have the drunk who would yeah. see something and go. I'm getting off the bottle, man. <laughs> That's just too much for me. I can't handle this right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah. Uh, the thing is, it's the. I think also when I was talking about this storybooks and looking at the things, the thing is that for a while I didn't actually realize there were cats because obviously being Disney, they don't particularly look like Thomas Amalek doesn't really look like a cat, especially when they show just him and the cats. He looks more like you know some sort of big, massive, I don't know, panther or something. Mm. And mm. it's uh, but, and there were just all these things that as I grew older, I started realizing more and more about the film, like it's set in Paris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you just don't, you, like, oh, as a kid, I mean, I was like, didn't pick up on that, didn't pick up that they're in Paris, didn't pick up anything well, when like I that. I was a kid, I didn't get the pun, the, the title. I didn't know what an aristocrat was. <laughs> I just thought that aristocat was a type of cat that you could buy. <laughs> what well, an aristocat, mum. I actually went the other way around in that I... When I learned the word aristocrats, mm. I just thought that, that was the name of the film, mm. and I didn't get the pun. I didn't even I didn't notice the pun for a long time, <laughs> and I was like, and then it was when a film that was released, which is t- like the total opposite end of the scale to the aristocrats, called the aristocrats, was released, and I was like, but aren't people going to get confused? And then I looked at them and I was like, uh, oh no, cat! Oh, I see what they, they did there. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, anything else on Aristocats? No, uh, well, um, no, just the wonderful vocal cast. We're just the, the talent that's evolved. Phil Harris, which was obviously Baloo the Bear. Baloo the Bear, yeah. Uh, Sterling Holloway, that was actually Carr in the Jungle Book. Ooh. Um, and also the voice of Winnie the Pooh throughout the late 60s yeah. and 70s. They're all in there. It's, it's, it's a bit of a classic. It's Disney, like a standard right? cast. It is, isn't really. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You see, I, I get a bit sad because obviously nowadays, I mean, I mean, back then, voice actors were not as lauded as like all the other film stars or anything like that. But they do. They provided some of the most. Like, imagine yeah. if imagine walking in and saying, "Oh, what was your thing? Oh, I played Car, and I was also in this, and I was." That's like a massive film. That's a brilliant yeah. film resume. But yeah, I mean, I think it's only just now that voice actors are getting some kind of recognition where they can become celebrities in their own right. Yeah. But it's a pity. But we thank them for all the wonderful memories that they will continue to give us, absolutely, and our kids and their kids absolutely. and so on. You get the idea. Disney's going to be around forever. They're not going anywhere. So, <laughs> no, not seeing they're buying every other property in in, in, in Hollywood. There might moment. be an evil conglomerate, but they're happy evil conglomerate. All right, <laughs> they they will evilly spread happiness around the world, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and now, right, if you have been listening to us over the last couple of weeks, you would have realized that we do every week a quiz. Joe comes up with four, five, they vary sometimes, clues about a certain character in film or an actor or film or something like that. And we try and figure out by the end of the show who he's talking about. Once we figure out exactly how to get you guys talking to us in the studio, we'll have you guys playing along as well. But for now, Joe, would you like to tell us what this week's first clue is? Okay, so tying in with what we've just been discussing... Uh, classic Disney vocal artists. Uh, this particular screen legend 
ended up voicing a very famous and memorable Disney character after one of the animators at Disney actually remarked how much their designs looked like him. Hmm. So, they ended up voicing a very famous and memorable Disney character after one of the animators at Disney uh, remarked how much their design actually looked like this particular screen legend. Okay, we'll keep that in mind and we shall carry on with the show today. So, okay, that was it. That was just first clue. That's out of the way. That's good. <laughs> now, next up on my walks around the hospital, I met Katie, who I'll let introduce herself. But as usual, because we have this um, bit on the program where we ask people, what was your first trip to the cinema? And we've got some brilliant stories about people's first trip to the cinema of going all the way back to 1939 and seeing Gulliver's Travels. But today, I'm going to let um, Katie just talk about her first trip to the cinema and what it was that she saw. So my name's Katie and I'm a volunteer for the Isle of Wight National Autistic Society and I'm raising money for the Across the Board Surf School which is an opportunity for people with autism to surf on the Isle of Wight and it's um, been discovered that children with autism enjoy surfing they seem to respond really well to being on the water and having that experience so I run a club throughout the summer from May to August um, we run three sessions a day, once a month, and then we have four in August. So um, for the kids to come down, and some adults as well we've got that come down, and they surf, and we're there to support them and because we understand the needs that they face. And um, that's basically what I'm raising money for today by having the cake sale. All right, cool. Good stuff, and can you tell me the story of the first time you ever went to a cinema? I think it was bed knobs and broomsticks, was it? My mum took me, and I think my brother went. Then it was just the one cinema, one screen in Newport High Street. And I remember it was very busy. But I just think I was just so excited to go to the cinema, I wasn't really concentrating on the actual film. I think it was a new experience, actually. Just, just to go to the cinema felt quite exciting at the time. I, I must have been about maybe six, maybe? Yeah, that's my, about my only memory of it. Okay, cool. And... People, like Katie, I do not remember much about this film because I have actually never seen it. All I know about bed numbs and broomsticks can be summed up by Disney, them again, happy evil conglomerate, Angela Lansbury, and it's kind of like Mary Poppins. Sure, yeah. <laughs> so, and also, also, the only thing I know is that on a lot of bank holidays, it's one of those films that I happen to miss every single bank holiday. So seeing as you guys probably grew up watching this all the time, watching it every single, like, you know, bank holiday as it's customary for kids who grew up in this country. Educate me. What Bredners and broomsticks? Take it away. Uh, okay. Um. Yeah. Very much. <clears throat> very much like um Mary Poppins because it was uh, live characters with with animation. Mm -hmm. Um. And I think there's a the, the probably the most famous scene and the most famous song is um. Is it bobbing along? Yeah. Bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful, beautiful briny sea. Ah. And they're like on a bed. So they spike, I guess, bed knobs and broomsticks. And they sort of go underwater. Mm -hmm. And um, there's like all, all cartoon seahorses and fishes yeah. and things. And yeah. That's, that's, that's the bit that really sticks in my mind. Mm -hmm. a, lot um, of, a lot of blending of animation and live action again. Yeah. Very much like in Mary Poppins with the merry-go-round and all that. Okay, yeah. That's it. And the same guy who played... Uh, was, who was the actor who actually I think played the chap? David Hamilton. David Hamilton, that's him, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember his name for a minute. Yeah, same character that was in Mary Poppins. Um, typical upper-class British gent. and mm. uh, Quite a clever, clever lady. And obviously the obligatory children, mm. obligatory two children that, that always sort of tag along in these films. Um, yeah. So. Well, I, the thing I most remember about it was um, there's a scene at Portobello Road. Um, they go to Portobello Road. It's like this magical place where you can virtually buy anything. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you remember that? It, it, that uh, that's bed knobs and broomsticks, isn't it? I think that's bed knobs and broomsticks. And I remember, yeah, I remember sure. seeing, um, I remember seeing that, and then on a trip up in London with my parents, just accidentally stumbling across Portobello Road, and going, "Please, please, please! I want to stop. I want to look around. You can buy anything here." But now we get to move on. We had things to see. <laughs> just, just looking behind me and seeing the sign get further and further away, and me thinking that was my one chance to visit Portobello Road and buy something magical. Yeah, they, they and it's gone. Yeah, they probably saved you from a heap of disappointment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's still magical in my mind because of that. Yeah. Exactly. Your parents have kept something, they've kept the magic alive for you. 
personally, I salute them for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, it w- so would it be like you know, that for you? Would it be like, you know, nowadays people would read Harry Potter and would want to go to somewhere like Diagon Alley? Yeah, exactly. Or they end up walking into uh, walls and train stations and being <laughs> disappointed that they got a bruised nose instead of... You, you know, say Pancras, there's actually, uh, there's, a, there's like a shopping trolley or like a, a luggage cart sticking halfway out of the wall. How cool is that? Yeah, sticking halfway out of the wall between like, it's nine and three quarters, isn't it? Yeah, that's very yeah. cool. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's actually pretty cool. And well, the funny thing is I actually heard that there's a place in Newport. There's one, there's a little alleyway, I think it's near the Calvert's Hotel, where um, I went to a dry cleaners there once. And I was like, this looks like I would imagine Diagon Alley would look like in mm. like in Harry Potter or something. Um, yeah, and, I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. And the lady in the show, she was like, yeah, we have every summer kids come around here and the kids are like, oh my God, Diagon Alley! Yeah. Ah! <laughs> cool I think there's a terrific fancy dress shop down there as well if you ever want to visit one. If you oh. ever need a costume. Ever need yeah. more Harry Potter costume. Yeah, you yeah. come up wearing a scarf and glasses. Or bed knobs and broomsticks. Okay, cool. I want to play something and then after this we'll talk a little bit about Angela Lansbury. Ooh. Yeah. So my name's no, Katie. Wrong one. This is what I want to play. Bobbing along on the bottom of the beautiful briny sea. What a chance to get. You've won the ruddy cup. Yes, uh, beautiful briny sea. That was cool. I love that. Good tune. It's a <laughs> great tune. That brilliant was, yeah. tune. They could write tunes. I mean, I think those, those, that was also the Sherman Brothers who did Mary Poppins. But Angela Lansbury, so she's the star of this movie. And I think for most people nowadays, I know her mainly for being in Murder, She Wrote. That's that's my main memory. Yeah, and just being there, even though she was a star earlier on. But last week, we were talking about Doris Day and talking about Doris Day as being this sort of like, you know, human equivalent of a ray of sunshine. And I think Angela Lansbury is just kind of like, you know, Probably because of murder she wrote and the and her character in this and all that kind of stuff. She's just kind of like everyone's favourite grandma. She seems to be, doesn't she? <laughs> um, cuddly, isn't she? She she is cuddly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, she's she's one of those people that that has, has been in a lot of movies, but uh, I, I can't think of one that really really stands out for me. She's got a very distinctive voice, though, isn't she? I that's, think that's, so. That's one yeah. thing you know before you before you see her a lot of the time. She was probably like the go-to person when Hollywood needed an English mom. mom yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I think she must. I think she she was probably in a few when she was was younger. I would think. Yeah. A few early movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, as I say, real nice, wholesome, wholesome lady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that. Yeah, I, I would have her as my grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> all right, cool. And now we have Joe's second clue. Right. So, Joe, would you like to give us your second clue? Okay. Well, this particular screen legend, aside from voicing a very famous Disney character, appeared in the 1972 film Endless Night alongside Hayley Mills and Britt Eklund. Uh, this film was actually partially filmed on the Isle of Wight. Ooh. Okay, so apart from uh, voicing a very famous Disney character, this Hollywood legend appeared in the 1972 film Endless Night alongside Hayley Mills and Britt Eklund, a film which was partially filmed over at Bryston on the Isle of Wight. Wow. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. Mm. Uh, that is very interesting. That is very interesting. Okay, and we shall carry on. We shall come back to this. So, on my con- continued meanderings around the hospital, I blundered into Colwell Ward, where I met a nice lady who wouldn't give me her name, but... Hang on a second. Yeah, she wouldn't give me her name, but she did tell me this. Well, the first Dracula film that I ever saw, I was about 15... We wanted to see it. We wanted to be frightened. <laughs> oh, and it wasn't very nice. Me and a friend went. And I remember that I was 15 and we ran all the way home. It was pitch dark and we ran all the way home. We had three cinemas, the Odeon, the Grand and the Medina. But unfortunately now, Cost too much to get in. Do, do you remember who played Dracula? I do remember. 
David Nixon. David Nixon. Niven. Niven. Yeah. David Niven. Oh. Yeah. Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing. That's right. Not um not the other one. <laughs> I love the fact that she says not the other one not, at the end. Not the other one, David uh, Niven. I was, she was like, she was like, oh, she was like Peter Cushing, uh, not the other one, and stuff. Because I, I was kind of because when she said that, I was shocked. I was like, really, David Niven played Dracula? He was actually in a, he did, a he? joke and tell you about. It. He did yeah. actually play Dracula in um in in a film. I think it was a bit of a spoof, it but was. it was actually in a in a dracula movie oh dracula oh. <laughs> also known as vampira vampira yeah okay okay you see now you say that it was a spoof now it makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. david niven as dracula in a spoof makes sense <laughs> he seems to be in a lot of spoofs he's in the spoofs of casino royale, casino royale. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. sir Sends, james bond yeah sending his whole, whole career up. It, 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 it's funny um what that lady was saying about going to the cinema because i can always remember and this was a hammer film i think it was probably Hammer's last one. It was called Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. Yeah. Like we went down on the bus, me and three friends, and it was obviously a, what used to be X certificate then, rather than eighteen. Mm-hmm. And we went in, and the lady there, and she says, "Oh, how old are you?" And we went, "Oh, eighteen. I'm 18. She <laughs> said to my friend, "How old are you?" "Yeah, I'm 18." And then the third one said, "Yep, yeah, I'm 18." And she looked at this little one, our littlest mate, and she goes, "Well, you're not 18." <laughs> <laughs> so, so we couldn't get in to see it. But um, that that always sticks in my mind. But I think Peter Cushing actually played Van Helsing in the Dracula movies, didn't he? Yeah. And it was um, our good friend Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee was Dracula. That's right. Repeatedly. Yeah. Christopher yeah. Lee was Dracula. Again yeah. and again and again. Yeah, because that's the I was thinking that it. it putting everything together because she said she was 15 and that was in the 50s mm-hmm. so it had to be a 50s Dracula movie yeah. and starring Peter Cushing so I was kind of like so what Joe what, what have we narrowed it down to what do we reckon what do you reckon the film she was on about was well we reckon it's uh, it's actually Dracula also known as The Horror of Dracula The Horror of Dracula which yeah. was 1958 uh, directed by uh, Hammer legend Terence Fisher yeah who did all, Most, the good, all the good ones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, starring Peter Cushing as Van Helsing, Christopher Lee as Dracula, and a bunch of other uh, reoccurring characters that Hammer employed virtually on a daily basis back then. <laughs> they used to churn them out. They I, did. What's, 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 what I always found quite interesting with the um, was the Hammer films, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going towards Frankenstein, but they were not allowed to call um, Frankenstein monster, so they actually called it the creature, Frankenstein's creature. Mm. And if you see the credits at the end, mm. it actually says Frankenstein's creature because Universal, that did the original oh. um, Boris Karloff one, yes. said they couldn't use the word monster. So they so trademarked the, the word monster. Yeah, so so they used creature rather than mon- Frankenstein's monster. Imagine if they really had trademarked the word monster. Monster. I think it was different. Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, everybody says Frankenstein and they immediately think of the, the actual monster when yeah. that's actually the uh, the doctor. Yeah, it's um, like the yeah. dog Victor, Victor, Victor But back, back to Dracula, I think um, <laughs> Christopher Lee, eight Dracula movies. Was it eight of them? Was and it? probably yeah. Peter Cushing yeah. was in all of them as well, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, Peter Christopher Lee is Dracula. Dracula, yeah. I mean, I remember growing up, we for ages we didn't see him as anything else. We didn't see him in another film, but all, he, all we ever saw him was Dracula. So when we saw him in another film, we're like, oh my God, it's Dracula! Hi! <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's he's definitely equipped with the role. But um, uh, my favourite Dracula, I mean, I really, really like Christopher Lee, but there was someone called um, uh, John Carradine. Okay. And he played Dracula twice. Terrific, terrific um, Dracula. He's in two movies, really, really sort of noble. Um, and I think he was in House of Dracula or one of, you know, the old black and white university type ones mm. yeah what well, if uh, i'll tell you what now with without sight unseen not even looking at those movies i'll tell you one thing yeah he's not christopher lee no no that's true <laughs> christopher lee was showed showed really really great strength well things i actually don't know i, I don't I think is he's about the only i think i've seen i've seen i've, I've seen snippets of gary oldman i was as just Ga- gonna say oh, he's my favorite dracula <laughs> actually yeah he yeah. just did it so well and so creepy and disturbing and whatever the flaws the film has i absolutely loved gary oldman's dracula Absolutely fantastic. I think we spoke about Gary Oldman last week, and he is class. He is, he's class in everything yeah. that he does. Yeah. yeah, but still, he's not Christopher Lee. Well, he's not Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee has already <laughs> been one of our cinematic legends in the quiz, hasn't he? We, <laughs> we know how awesome Christopher Lee is. And yeah. awesome Peter Cushing. Uh, yeah. uh, a total, total... Um, Maybe that's the answer, Peter Cushing. <laughs> Peter Cushing. <laughs> my yeah. my favourite Hammer horror film doesn't actually have Christopher Lee in it. 
No. I know. Which Shocking. One? It's the abominable snowman. The abominable snowman. It's got. Uh, is it's it got black and white? Peter Cushing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing yeah, the hand okay. comes the in the hand. Oh, that's it. Oh, it's just brilliant. I can remember. It's the best bit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. Now this. You might pick up, listeners, that Joe is a bit of... He's like a resident horror movie buff. <laughs> so, Joe, there's something that I found that was actually quite interesting that we heard in that interview that um, the lady gave. And she said that they went to see Dracula because they wanted to be scared. Mm. And then what? she immediately said, I didn't, didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I wanted to be scared. Didn't like it. We ran all the way home and yeah. it was pitch black. We were scared. Yeah. It, <laughs> it worked. Yeah, it, it worked. What is up with that? Because like horror movies, I mean, I will watch the ones that are good, but I would, I will, I wouldn't necessarily watch horror movies as a genre. What is the appeal of wanting to be scared? Tell it's, me about it. It's a quest. It's it's a never-ending quest to be scared, and the more you see, the the harder it is to actually be scared by them. So so it's it self-perpetuates. You, you, the more you see, the more you desperately want to watch more to find one that actually scares you. Have you seen anything that scares you? Uh, I have seen probably uh, these days. Uh, I would say a total of two or three films that genuinely scared me. Okay, because okay, I look at this right. I think if you really want to be scared, why don't you just go hang around a bad neighbourhood? Because it's 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 not a cinematic scare, is it? It's all about the art of how you know how is how the filmmakers scared you. How have they done it? That's the that's the thing. If it's you like, appreciate cinema, it's the techniques. It's like it's like it's like I want to be scared, but I but I want to be assured that I'm going to survive. I want Christopher Lee to scare me, <laughs> not someone down the bus station. <laughs> that's too real. The bus station. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, actually, I'll tell you right. Scariest, okay, scariest movie I've seen in the last co- in the last couple of years. I think hands has to be Coraline. Yeah, it's creepy. That was Coraline, yeah, yeah, which is which is like a kids. It's a it's it's nominally a kids movie. Mm. It's all stop motion and stuff like a Henry Selleck who did the Nightmare Before Christmas. And I well, and I like Coraline, but I remember I saw it with a friend of mine. And we're both sitting there here going. This is a kid. This mm. is freak. This is scary. Mm. I'm, I'm your other not- mother, silly. Uh, <laughs> I just want to sew buttons on your eyes. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's that is hands down the scariest film I have seen in the last couple of years. That's Pinocchio Pleasure Island level scary, isn't it? <laughs> weird. Really weird. So what's your scariest film? Scariest story? film. Um, I, it doesn't take a lot to get me scared. I prefer more of the, um, rather than the monsters, I, 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 think the things that you don't really see, the things that aren't there, I find more creepy. Um, okay. And there's a fabulous, fabulous 1962 film called um, The Innocents, which is based on Turn of the Screw. Turn of the Screw yep. mm-hmm. And uh, that's just so, such, such a creepy movie. And even, even I have goosebumps when I talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I'm, I'm more in the things that aren't there. The, the, the monsters, I mean, I love the monster movies. I love... The vampire films, but uh, they don't particularly scare me as no. the things you can't see. Those last few sequences uh, up in the by the lake. Oh yeah. When when the woman's I'm, by the lake in that in that film. Uh, yeah, like, I'm, sh- I'm sure there's lots of people that have seen this skin movie. Skin crawling, just thinking about it. Now, what yeah. film is this again? It's called The Innocents. Yeah. All right. The Innocents. Yeah, and it's like a governess, and she goes to the, she goes to a house to look after these two children, which oh. she thinks have taken on the persona of some people that have died who's who's who who, who plays the governess Deborah Kerr. Deborah Kerr, yeah. oh right, okay Deborah cool, yeah. Kerr. famous yeah. film really really famous yes film. i was thinking yeah. because as you were speaking i was thinking this sounds familiar yeah there's a there's one where there's a face at a window she stood with a candle and uh she's she's stood by the candle and then this face of quint the gardener supposedly the guy like, that uh... like looks through yeah it's really <laughs> creepy and and yeah i think sometimes um children can be quite quite creepy Mm-hmm. But but I think the whole, the good thing about this movie, The Innocence, is that you never really know if it's Deborah Kerr's mind, just yeah. whether mm-hmm. it's all in her mind or whether it's not, you know, whether it is actually some sort of possession. There yeah. was yeah, a, yeah, a film quite a few years back now called The Others with Nicole Kidman, which which um, basically a lot of people said was, was, in a way, almost remaking The Innocence. It was certainly taking a lot of, uh, lot of inspiration from it. Mm. Um, but yeah, if anyone wants to see The Innocence, it's a 1961 film directed by Jack Clayton. It's, it's on. It's, they do show it on TV sometimes. Look, I thought you were about to say it's on. It's on at the cinema in Newport yeah. this weekend. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Drop everything. But, but I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would have seen that movie because. Uh, I, you know, I, I should tell you what I'm planning to do in a couple of weeks' time. I think over the May Bank holiday, there's in 
we're like close to where I live, there's these two massive trees. And what I want to do is actually spread like a sheet in between the two trees and get a projector out and like have like a movie just at night and everything like that. Oh, that'd be so cool. Uh, they don't make them like they used to night. <laughs> but, um, and we can all run home. <laughs> <laughs> we can all run home in the pit. I don't know, actually, to, to be honest with you, the, the landscape there is very Wicker Man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is very, very Wicker Man. So, moving on. Joe, time for the third clue. Okay, we have uh, just been discussing Hammer Legends, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Uh, and uh, I think there was some confusion about David Niven. This particular Hollywood legend that we're all trying to guess once told David Niven in 1937 that he actually planned to commit suicide when he was older. Uh, he fulfilled this promise in 1972 in Barcelona leaving behind a note which read, Dear world, I am leaving because I am bored. Mm, I've got an idea, I think. This sounds, uh, this sounds ominous. This sounds ominous because it's not like we're counting or anything, but currently at the moment, I am 2-1 up in this game. <laughs> I mean, nobody's counting, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, but I, I, I have gotten it correct twice. Two Sean's once, um, but anyway, mm. <laughs> yes, never mind. But so there's a lot on stake here to see whether Sean's going to catch up or to see whether I'm going to stretch off into the distance. 1937, he told David Niven he was going to commit suicide when he was older. And in 1972, he actually did that, leaving behind a note saying, Dear world, I'm leaving because I am bored. Oh, good Lord. I'm just I'm going through all my the kind of people who I can think of that would say that, but some of them are not dead yet, or some of them only died recently. So, like, it's the kind of thing I can imagine Peter O'Toole saying. <laughs> I think, I think from that and getting back to that first clue, that might give me. I'll have to I'll have to give that some thought. Yeah, I, if I, I think I've got, come on. If I could read the suicide note in his <laughs> voice, you would all get it. I, 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 yeah, it must be. It must be. Yeah. Oh, no, no, he, no, yeah, Vincent, I've got him. Vincent Price died a lot I've, later. I've, I've got him now. Now you said the voice. I think so. Yeah, the distinctive voice. Oh, good Lord. It's not someone we've been talking about for the last three weeks, is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> Someone I've been talking about for the last three weeks, but that's not here. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so, well done. Good one. And now we'll carry on with my meanderings around the hospital. So, while still in Colwell Wall, I walked into the next, um, the next bay and had a word with John who told me about his favorite movie, um, which happened to be... Uh, I'll just let him tell you himself, shall I? I think my favorite film was Ben-Hur. This was uh, an old film, but uh, very well appreciated. Uh, it's all action, isn't it? Um, it just goes on a little bit. It's on for about three, three hours plus. But... Um, it's all action. Um, pretty ladies and uh, uh, um, all, all the men were all really real men. And the the the, the race was good. The chariot race round the uh, round the island was very good. The wheels clash and they, they try and clash with their swords, but um, nothing ever happens. To to make that film, it must take. Ages and ages. Um, uh, I don't know where it was actually filmed, but um, uh, some 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 film studios, isn't there, in London? Ealing Studios is a probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was very good. Enjoyed that. Now, they definitely do not make film scores like they used to. Wow. I mean, I mean, you listen to that, right? When you listen to that, you immediately get a sense of scale of what it is that you're about to see. Actually, no, scratch that. What it is you're about to witness. 
<laughs> what it is you're about to be subjected to. I mean, I, th- I can't think of any modern score that sounds anywhere near as big or as grand or as just epic. Yeah. It's like, because that plays right, right as Ben-Hur is about to start. And it just lets you know, yes, yeah. this will be huge. This will be amazing. Your mind will be blown and you will go back home and talk about this or else. Yeah, yeah I think I think with film scores, um, a lot of modern films actually use music. You know, they use a lot of... Um, uh, pop and rock music and music that that's always available I think especially someone like um, Tarantino whereas <laughs> whereas um, the old movies they just used to have fabulous real orchestral pieces I mean some great composers aren't there there was Corn Gold oh, and yeah, Alfred um, Newman yeah Newman Max, Max Steiner Max Steiner terrific terrific who did the music to this one by the way it was Nicholas Rosa Nicholas Rosa yeah he's done some good tracks as well he was huge everything he did was massive (laughs) absolutely absolutely fantastic it was just the way he rolled yeah you you enjoyed this film I think didn't you uh, Joe a little bit yeah Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's a little bit a little bit good Mm -hmm. Uh, huge actually yeah Um, the actor I think that, that 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 is um it doesn't get mentioned enough is Stephen Boyd. Now Stephen Boyd mm-hmm. um I think plays um as good a part as Charlton Heston. And of course, I like Stephen Boyd anyway because he was in so many cowboy films. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, was he the best friend character? He was the best friend character. Yeah, the one where there was some sort of um Masala. Yeah. Yeah, I was that. I remember yeah, yeah. Yeah. Masala, yeah. Um so I th- I think he deserves a mention as um yeah. a, a good role. When you, mm-hmm. when you put a film together on that, that sort of scale, you can't mention everybody, but everybody <laughs> contributed to making it. Okay. Was it 50,000 extras? 50,000 extras. Yeah, 50,000 extras. It was, it was huge. I mean, it's kind of like you try and do that today, it's just going to be prohibitively expensive. Nobody yeah. nobody will let you do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. that's, I, I think there's found lots of people were talking in it as well. You know, I mean, so many... 300? 350 50, speaking 350 roles. Speaking roles. <laughs> 350 speaking roles in a movie. Yeah, in a film. I mean, that's, yeah. that's an accomplishment. But, that's, but as but as John did say in it, he did say that he says, well, it does go on a bit. It does, yeah. <laughs> I did think that, actually. I'm, I I know Joe loves it. The, the, the chariot race, fantastic. Um, And I think there's there's a good naval battle in it. Oh, yeah? Where he saves the Roman consul. Yeah, that, that That's yeah. pretty spectacular. Some the of the rowing it, in the galleys of the ship. That's it, yeah. It's just brilliant. It is, yeah. Um, the but, reason I like films like this and Lawrence of Arabia and, and even Cleopatra, even though it gets slated, I just like yeah. having a whole day that, that you can devote to a film. <laughs> and, yeah. and I, it doesn't take up the whole day, but it takes up a good portion of it. And even when it finishes, you're still thinking about it and it lasts because well, it, it's a so good, huge. A good old-fashioned five-hour movie. Yeah, really. yeah. <laughs> With a break in it. And it actually tells you it's, there's a break now, you know. Well, All right, okay. Yeah. Intermission, I'm, thank you. That happens. That used to happen a lot at the cinema. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. You, intermission time, and they... Oh, I remember seeing Battle of the Bulge. I think from the first programme, we spoke about Cinerama. Mm-hmm. Um, Battle of the Bulge, I saw that at the cinema, and they mm-hmm. had intermission, and um, they sort of just had a, a picture of the tank up on the screen, and yeah. you had the interval for, for Well, I, actually, because um, one of my friends recently got hooked on My Fair Lady. She'd never seen it before, and so she started watching it, and mm-hmm. she just she, she watches this film on loop. And so one of these times I happened to be there, and even on the DVD, they still have the intermission in there. Wow. Yeah. So there's a bit like, I think it's like just before they, they're going off to like some ambassador's ball or something, they walk out of the house and then the, the music swells yeah. and it just comes up with a screen saying intermission. Yeah, and it actually leaves it up on the screen for yeah. a few minutes and plays you some music whilst you run off to make a cheese sandwich. Exactly. Yeah. And you can hear it going and you're still in the mood. You think, I'm going to get back, it's going to start, it's going to start. And then you carry on. It's like, it's just such an experience. It's, they don't do that anymore. But so going back to Ben Hur, <laughs> going back to Ben Hur. So he was talking about the chariot race, and obviously everybody talks about the chariot race. And if anybody was wondering where it was shot, it was actually shot in in Italy. Cinecita, Cinecita Studios. Yeah. So and because I was thinking about it, and I was thinking if it was shot in, let's say, Pinewood Studios in this country, they would have had to have rebuilt Pinewood Studios. Studios yeah, sure. So actually, because of as he said, fifty thousand extras, all this kind of stuff, filmmaking on a scale you've never been, you've never seen before. I think it was probably one of the, it was one of those movies that helped coin the phrase "a cast of thousands" that they yeah. put they put up on the posters, like "a cast of thousands bigger than you've ever seen before." Yeah. Come watch it. And they weren't exaggerating either. A cast no. of thousands was being generous. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah, uh, it was fifty thousand, which is huge. Yeah, the, the, the it's but it is. It, I mean, Ben Hur it is, and it is kind of like Charlton Heston in his pomp. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Charlton Heston. He's He's been in some good movies and he's been in some okay movies. How, where do you stand on the Ten Commandments? Oh, Ten Commandments. Um, yeah, again. That's another um, guilty the, pleasure of mine. I love the, that the, film. The, the, the big <laughs> biblical movies, they're, they're okay, but I do think they tend to just go on a little bit too long and they have moments where, which... But, yeah. Do, you know, it's, it's funny, right, because you mentioned Ten Commandments, right, at, at the moment, because because uh, I used to work for a church and all that, so I'm with Noah being in the cinemas at the I'm moment. Sure. There's a lot of, oh, my God, how dare they? Uh, I can't believe this. And this is said by a lot of people who love something like the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston in it, and they complain that, oh, the Noah movie isn't actually the Bible. But when you talk about the how, how the film went on along, a long time. They added a whole bunch of stuff in there yeah, <laughs> that yeah. people don't actually complain about. They're just like, oh, yeah, that's a lovely movie, Charlton Heston, a Sunday afternoon tea time. Kind of yeah. And there's all this stuff they, that the filmmakers went, hmm, it would be good if you put, yeah, chuck, chuck that in there, chuck that in there. But I have to agree with you. I do, I think, when I think of Ten Commandments, I think of Charlton Heston standing on the shore, yeah. arms aloft with oh, the sea parted in front of him. That, I tell you, that whole sequence is so <laughs> cinematic and it is, so beautiful. It is, yeah. The light shining down and the, the special effects for the parting of the sea. Uh, How the they, heck they do that? They are fantastic. You're actually watching yeah. the sea being parted. And you're thinking, this was made in what, 1950-something? And it's I know. just incredible. I know, it's it's amazing. It's, it's kind of, we were talking about bed knobs and broomsticks earlier and going back to that. And looking at Bedlam's and Broomsticks, like I saw that sequence you were talking about when they were singing um, Beautiful Briny Sea, where they're underwater and everything. And yeah, I was kind of in awe of it because mm. I was thinking, this is really like the human people and like the animated stuff and they're handing the cups to each other. And it looks more seamless than a lot of stuff that's made nowadays. Yeah, you can tell where the CG kicks in these days, can't you? Yeah, yeah. Like for I saw the a similar kind of trick was pulled in the Smurfs movie. Which, the first Smurfs movie, which I've got to be honest, I was shocked, but I actually really, really enjoyed. It right. is hilarious. Watch it for Hank Azaria, if nothing else. <laughs> Watch everything for <laughs> Hank Azaria. Yeah, and it's, and, um, and there's a bit where, like, you know, a, a character's supposed to be holding a Smurf in, a, in his hands, and it's supposed to be, but you're looking at the screen, you can see he's obviously holding nothing, and then they've tried to, like, map this mm. Smurf into his hands, but it doesn't quite work. And then you compare it to, like, 1971, Bed's Nubs and Broomsticks, and you're like, that looks flawless. Yeah. Why? Yeah. That's because they took a lot of time and care. I'm, I'm going to ask Joe a question here. Yeah. Okay. Because biblical epics, we like his yeah. biblical epics. Mm-hmm. Um, first cinemascope film, not cinema film, first cinemascope film was a biblical epic. Do you know when it was? What year? It started, John Wayne was in it for a little while at the end. Oh, was it... Um uh, it's a great story goes, ever told. This man, pardon? No, I uh, think it's, oh, King of Kings. No, go on. I don't it know. was the robe. Oh, I love the robe. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> of course, was, Richard Burton. It was it was a Jesus movie though. Jesus, yeah, 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 yeah. It's one yeah. with John Wayne at the end. Yeah, because John Wayne plays a centurion. That's like, it. Really, this man was a son of God. You've got it. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> love. I love that film. I'm a bit weird in that I prefer the sequel. What was the sequel? <laughs> yeah, everyone's looking at go. me now. Yeah. Demetrius and the Gladiators oh, with Victor Mature. Yeah. I was going to go, I was, was going to like ring Passion of the Christ. No, no, no. <laughs> they actually made a, a direct yeah, sequel called Demetrius and the Gladiators yeah. where Victor Mature gets into an arena and fights tigers and lions. Yeah. And it is Victor terrifyingly Mature. cool. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Moving on, we now have... No, not you. Joe, what clue number are we on? Uh, we've had three so far. Okay, so please, if you would please give us your fourth clue. Okay. Uh, this screen legend has worked with Alfred Hitchcock, Fritz Lang, Blake Edwards, James Whale, and even played the Batman nemesis, Mr. Freeze, in 1966. Yeah, I got this, I think. <laughs> I think I've got this one. He's gone from working with cinematic legends like Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Blake Edwards, Fritz Lang, and also found time to star in the campest show ever made, Batman. Did he did he play the saint in movies? Or was that coming? Who's that? Have I presented the question? No, well, I'm not. I'm not going to say anymore. Hmm. Did you say you had another clue? I do have a final, <laughs> I do have a final clue, just in case. This is a quote from the said screen legend. He said he felt like a squeezed lemon after his divorce from Jaja Gabor. 
Oh, 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 good lord. Oh. I'm going to say it. I'm going to. Oh, no, Sean's, no, no, Sean's no, no, trying no, 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 not to say it. Oh, oh. squeezed lemon after his divorce from Jaja Gabor. Yeah. Married to Jaja Gabor, killed himself in also the Also married Jaja Gabor's sister. <laughs> Hopefully not at the same time. No. no, no. <laughs> probably, I'm going to probably be wide of the mark. Oh, good lord, he was married to Jaja. Oh, I think he was married three times, actually, in total. But, uh... Killed himself, voice, Disney fame, played Mr. Freeze. Born in Russia, if that helps. Oh dear, that's thrown it now. You always give me, you chuck in one of there. I, I had Christopher Lee and then you throw me in another one. I was like, Christopher Lee and you throw me in another one. I'm going to have to stick with those. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to give myself, like, you know, 10 seconds to just... Oh, does did he? How much sure they killed himself? Hey? No, no. I'm trying to think of who. I'm trying to. I have somebody. We got to do it on three. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, one, two, three. Richard Harris, George Sanders. Oh, Sean is right. Oh! Yeah. The answer is George Sanders. George Sheer Sanders. Khan. Sheer Khan. Khan. That's the Disney. Uh, he looks character. like him. He looks, looks like him. Now you've said it. He looks like him. Yeah, yes, he's got the same course. same sort of jaw. Mm. Yeah. Same jawline. What Did he play the same? I don't think so. Oh, right. Okay. 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 So, uh, thankfully, nobody's counting who's uh, what, the, <laughs> what the scores are in this game. So, it's cool. Uh, but, uh, obviously, when we get the phones working and we figure the whole thing out, we'll have you calling and you'll be calling in and you will be able to play this as well. Wouldn't it be great if we ended up with, like, a leaderboard? Yeah. <laughs> ended up with, like, a leaderboard of, like, all different people with different things. Oh, cool. We, we, we can maybe do a quiz in the hospital. Yeah. Well, do a quiz, like just go to the restaurant in the hospital and like, you know, have like a little quiz out there and get movie quiz. Oh, huh. okay. Now that, that I, that I can get behind that. I think yeah, yeah. Actually, that I think we could do. I, I don't mind being the quiz master. <laughs> All right. Oh, just before we go, before we go, um, just a, one thing, um, last week we were talking about, we had the, the guy, um, the lady who we interviewed and her husband said that. He was taken to the cinema as a kid. The first time he ever went to the cinema to go see the Diary of Anne Frank, and it put him off for life. And he's never been like he hasn't. <laughs> oh, wow. He just he just couldn't get into cinema after that. He's never really become, started going to the pictures or anything. Yeah, it is and a we, depressing film to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we asked the question like, what film, if you had seen it first in the cinema, would have put you off for life? Have you guys given any or any other thought to that? I, I haven't given any thought, but I could I could probably say one which would be really really controversial. It's quite a recent up to date one. Okay. But um, <laughs> no, I can't say. Uh, are you the same as going to say? Did I don't we, know. Did we see this together a few weeks ago? Uh, probably not. Oh, that right, one. No, okay. no, no. Although that was it would be and and people probably um, say what am I talking about? But re I got really really bored with Les Misérables. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so if I'd have seen that, I think I'd have thought, oh. That was one way it could have done with an intermission, and it just. <laughs> <laughs> it is. You can actually spot where the intermission usually is it in is, the stage yeah, show yeah, in the film. Yeah. Well, so, Les Rob, I can I can kind of see that. Long, I long. Can, I can kind of see that. It is. It's, um, as as much as I love musicals, and as much as I thought that the film had some brilliant, brilliant things in it, like the set the set piece for One More Day in it, it was just like I just thought this is. They've taken something that's like been inherently just on a stage and almost kind of like you know flat and they've yeah. built it into this huge massive filmic set piece yeah i guess that was quite spectacular but i just think i mean the stage show i enjoy the stage show but i just found the film yeah a bit like having teeth that, I'm afraid. I, I, I can kind of understand that and i think it's going to be one of those films that people either love or, or just or, absolutely or despise despise there's no in between i don't think Joe, how about so, you? Oh, this, this is going to be very controversial because this film, uh, again, it's quite a recent film. It got a lot of love recently and everyone said how good it was. I actually felt really offended by the book Thief. Oh, yeah. Like, on, a, on a really, yeah, yeah, no. on a really you know, but, uh, almost irrational the, level. Yeah, but just purely for the voiceover. Wasn't <laughs> purely it? for one aspect of film of the film. I mean, the, the, it was brilliant. The acting was great. Uh, all the all the, the actors were fantastic. It was a lovely story. It was really thought provoking. And then, just at the end, when you think this is doing this is really great, there's this horrific voiceover. Now I know the voiceovers in the book. I know that it's being faithful to the book, but it just it was offensive. Yeah, it offensive. was pretty tired. We, we, we it, it basically, that, yeah. it, it was death narrating this whole story. And and the way I saw it, that that death was saying that actually the things that 
that, that happened during the Holocaust. It was nothing to do with people being horrible to each other. It was just because death decided to choose some people that should die. And I felt quite offended by it. It so, would be so, interesting. Sorry, so it would be interesting to see what some of the uh, listeners in the hospital maybe. Yeah, if anyone's seen that. it, I'd love to know what people. I don't want to seem like the only person that, that, that felt like it was <laughs> way out of order. But it was the only thing that ruined the whole movie because of mm. because of. Was it the was it the content of the voiceover or the nature in which the voiceover was done? It, there, were, there were a few lines and the things that he said. I mean, I think it was a line where um, I don't want to spoil the film, but there's there's quite an unpleasant. Uh, event towards the end where a lot of people lose their lives and he, and, he, and death is narrating it and he goes around saying things like I, I took Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> <Watson> Mid snore. <laughs> Mid snore. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, uh, it, it just really took you out of it. And and just the, the principle of, of putting down these atrocities to, to this figure of death rather than just the things that men do to each other. I think mine, if I'd seen this film as the first film I'd ever seen in the cinema, would have put me off going to the cinema because it was just such a letdown was the spirit. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Mark. The, uh, Frank Miller. Yeah, no, the spirit. Because I mean, I was so. I mean, Looking everything about because the previews looked great, the poster looked great, everything looked great. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't make it to halfway of the film. The film was that bad. Yeah. And I, it's it's kind. It's still. It's probably like, and people have told me that I will. I just love film and I will watch bad films because they are films. Yeah. But this film, I can't. I couldn't. I was like, no. And if I'd seen that after all the build-up and it, look, I think I would have gone to the cinema, gone, "Oh my word, what? Yeah, cinema lies. Yeah. I'd rather just give me the poster." But the art, <laughs> you know, the artwork for it before it came out was was great. The style, it's stylish, brilliant. Yeah, it's I mean, it's brilliant, but it's just so rubbish. Yeah, it the is. Fi- the final film is so rubbish, and I think if I'd seen that first, I would just have been like, "Cinema's a liar. I do not love it. Go away." Yeah. All right. Cool. So we've almost run out of time here, and. Um, uh, just a couple of mentions to a couple of people. To Mike, I am so sorry that you don't feature this week. I promise that we'll get around to your views on Blade Runner and Star Wars Episode One Ooh, next week. <laughs> to Lynn, wait, <laughs> wait until you hear what he says. <laughs> to, to Lynn and the friends of St Mary's Shop, we will discuss your harrowing first trip to the cinema to see Lilacs in Spring, and your happier one seeing the most exotic Marigold Hotel as well next week. Now I know that the people who I spoke to who don't show up this week, and I promise we will get to you. But unfortunately, we've run out of time this week. As always, it's been a pleasure. Get well soon. Listen to your medical staff. And remember, they don't make them like they used to. Thank you. Thank you.